praise Yahweh. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Thank you, Yahweh. Thank you, Yahweh. Almighty Yahweh, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. You're a great king. Thank you for everything that you've done for us, Yahweh. You have not dealt with us as our sins deserve. And for that we are thankful. While we were yet sinners, Messiah died for us. Thank you for your love, Yahweh. Thank you for the good news that we can be forgiven based upon what you've done for us through the Messiah. Thank you for showing us your commandments, statutes, and laws and judgments. And We are oh so grateful that you are writing those on our heart. You are conforming us to the image of your Son. And we are disciples, students, pupils of the Messiah. To be like Yeshua, that's all I ask. Help us, Yahweh, where we struggle. Father, I pray that you'd open up the eyes of our understanding to the Scriptures today. I pray that we would understand some things maybe that we haven't seen before. Or if we have seen these things before, we would better understand what we already know. Touch every person in here, from the oldest to the youngest, man, woman, and child. And Father, when I'm done, I pray that all the glory would go to you. For it is to you I pray through your Son, Yeshua. Amen. Hallelujah. So, today's lesson is going to be part of my series on strong women in Scripture. But like the last lesson that I taught, this is not going to focus on one particular woman in the Bible, but instead it's going to lay some groundwork that's going to help us understand the office of a prophet. That's what I'm titling this lesson, is the office of a prophet. I'm going to show you that over the next couple of weeks, in ancient Israel, women could hold the office of a prophet. Now, it would be very simple for me just to say that and move on, but in order to understand the weight and the significance of this, we need to understand what it means to be a prophet. Now, when we think of a prophet, our minds usually jump to predicting the future. Someone who prophesies that something will happen in the future or someone who can prophesy over you and predict your future. That is part of what it means to be a prophet. But that is not all that it means. And it's not even the primary part of being a prophet. A prophet's primary calling was to be a mouthpiece for the Almighty. Someone that you could go to in order to understand Yahweh's law or Yahweh's instruction for you specifically. Or someone you could go to and ask to intercede or pray to Yahweh for your behalf or for your healing. The Hebrew word for prophet is the word Navi. Ever since my son Elijah was little, I sometimes would call him Eliyahu Navi. Because I guess one of the things, or one of the people he's named after is the prophet Elijah. Eliyahu Navi means the prophet Elijah. And the word Navi comes from a Hebrew root word that means to bubble forth or to pour forth. Smith's Bible Dictionary says this about prophet. The word means one who announces or pours forth the declarations of God. 
The English word comes from the Greek prophetes, which signifies in classical Greek, one who speaks for another, especially one who speaks for a God, and so interprets his will to man. Hence, its essential meaning is an interpreter. Now, the pro in the English word prophet, which is from the Greek language, the pro carries the meaning of in place of, not before, like in some of our English words like progress or progress. Uh, the word pro carries the meaning of beforehand or something prior to, but that's not so in the word prophet or prophet. It means in the place of, kind of like the word pronoun. A pronoun is a word used in the place of a noun. A prophet or prophet is a person who speaks in the place of Yahweh. This does not make the person Yahweh, but it does make the person Yahweh's mouthpiece upon the earth. And there is so close a connection between Yahweh and his prophet that to harm the prophet or to speak evil of the prophet is to harm or to speak evil of Yahweh. This is because the prophet has been directly sent by Yahweh. Who is the first prophet mentioned in the Bible? If you would have asked me that question a few months ago, I wouldn't have answered it correctly. I might have said Moses, but no one had ever asked me that question before. But I'm going to give you the correct answer today. The first person who is mentioned as being a prophet in Scripture is Abraham. Abraham? We don't think of Abraham as a prophet, but it's because we don't look at Abraham as a man who predicted the future. The problem is, is that we have inherited a deficient or a lacking definition and understanding of the word prophet. The word prophet doesn't just mean someone who predicts the future. Now, let me show you why Abraham was called a prophet. Genesis 20 is our text here. I'm going to be reading out of the Good News Bible. Genesis 20, verses 1 through 7. And I would encourage you to read the whole chapter of Genesis 20 in your personal study time. Beginning at verse 1 in Genesis 20. Abraham moved from Mamre to the southern part of Canaan and lived between Kadesh and Shur. Later, while he was living in Gerar, he said that his wife Sarah was his sister... So King Abimelech of Gerar had Sarah brought to him. One night Elohim appeared to him in a dream. The him there is King Abimelech. So Elohim is appearing to King Abimelech in a dream. And he said, You are going to die because you have taken this woman. She is already married. Now if you read the whole chapter, you see that the reason Abraham said she is my sister is because he was scared of what might happen to him if he says she's my wife. So he told Abimelech she's my sister. Elohim says you're going to die. She's already married. But Abimelech had not come near her. He had not lain with her. And he said Adonai. I'm innocent. Would you destroy me and my people? Abraham himself said that she was his sister. And she said the same thing. I did this with a clear conscience. And I have done no wrong. Elohim replied in the dream, Yes, I know that you did it with a clear conscience, so I kept you from sinning against me and did not let you touch her. But now, this is verse 7, Give the woman back to her husband. He is a prophet, 
and he will pray for you so that you will not die. But if you do not give her back, I warn you that you are going to die, you and all your people. So Yahweh told King Abimelech that Abraham was a prophet. And the meaning here is that he was a holy man who had such an intimate relationship with Yahweh that he could intercede for Abimelech's forgiveness and healing. And this is how we define words or terms in the Bible. We let the context of the passage speak for itself. Abraham is not predicting the future here. That's not why he's called a prophet. He is standing in the place of Yahweh on the earth. He is in a position of authority and in a close relationship with the Almighty. Abraham was a friend of Yahweh and he was an instructor in the things of Yahweh. Therefore, he was called the prophet of Yahweh. Now we have in modern Christianity, we have this idea that we can all ask Yahweh for things. And this is true to a point. I'm not saying that we can't all pray to Yahweh. We should. But this verse shows us that we should seek out those who are in a close relationship with Yahweh for intercession. In other words, ask Abraham, Abimelech, to pray for your forgiveness and for your healing. He's close to me. A commentator, old Methodist commentator Adam Clark has a lot of great comments on this chapter. So if you want to study this further, I would encourage you to uh, read Adam Clark's comments on Genesis 20, verse 7. A good example of Yahweh's close relationship with a prophet can be seen in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 18, where we read, Samuel called on Yahweh, and on that day Yahweh sent thunder and rain as a result, all the people greatly feared Yahweh and Samuel. Now I want you to notice that the words greatly feared apply to both the Almighty and to His prophet. You could not accept Yahweh and at the same time reject His prophet. No one could say, well, I'm good with serving Yahweh, but I don't know if I go along with that Samuel fellow. If you rejected Samuel, you rejected Yahweh because Samuel was the person who stood in the place of Yahweh on the earth at that time. Now, earlier in 1 Samuel 3, 19-21, we read, Samuel grew and Yahweh was with him and let nothing he said prove false. All Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a confirmed prophet of Yahweh. Yahweh continued to appear in Shiloh because there he revealed himself to Samuel by his word. And Samuel didn't just have this position all of a sudden. Now Samuel had an interesting birth and upbringing. He had a miraculous birth. He was born from a lady named Hannah who was barren. And Yahweh opened her womb and let her conceive through her husband Elkanah. Um, so Samuel was weaned and then he was left at the temple to grow up with the priest, which at that time was Eli. And Samuel, even as a young boy, was turning out to be more righteous than old Eli, the priest. But Samuel didn't just all of a sudden get this position. He had to grow up. I mean, I don't have this in my notes, but I just thought about this. In 1 Samuel, I think it's at the end of chapter 2, or maybe the middle of chapter 2. Yeah, here it is. In 1 Samuel 2, verse 26, it says, By contrast... 
And this is in contrast with Eli's sons who were wicked. Hophni and Phinehas, I believe their names were. By contrast, the boy Samuel grew in stature and in favor with Yahweh and with men. So when Samuel got to a later position, after it mentions him being as a young boy in the temple, a young man in the temple, I think in 1 Samuel chapter 7, it talks about 20 years passing by, and so Samuel was probably in his 30s, and then he had this great ministry where he had this close relationship with Yahweh. He was the man who stood in the place of Yahweh on the earth at that time. He was the man of God, the man of Elohim. So Yahweh loves all of his children, but he has a special relationship with some of them. And he speaks through their proxy. Now this brings to light what is said in Psalm 105 verse 15. In the King James Version it says, Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Now, I've heard some preachers quote this verse in an attempt to not have anyone talk about their ministry or expose what they might be doing behind the scenes. So that if you talk to somebody or about somebody like Benny Hinn or Kenneth Copeland or something like that, they will say, Oh, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Well, I can assure you today, they are not Yahweh's anointed or his prophets. I can give you a 100% certainty on that. And basing that off of Deuteronomy 13 and Deuteronomy 18 and several other scriptures, but that'll get you started. This verse is not talking about a man who starts a church and calls himself a preacher. This verse is speaking of a person whom Yahweh raises up directly and handpicks to be with and to speak through like prophet Samuel. Again, to harm the prophet is to harm Yahweh. That's why it's forbidden. Um, you can think about it in relation to Acts chapter 9 where Saul of Tarsus is on the road to Damascus to persecute the believers in the Messiah. And all of a sudden, Yeshua, the resurrected Yeshua from heaven, speaks to Saul of Tarsus. And he says, uh, Who are you, Master? And he calls him Sir, Lord, or Master. And Yeshua speaks from heaven now. Remember, he's in heaven. And he says, I am Yeshua whom you are persecuting. And I remember years ago I read that and I thought, How is Saul persecuting Yeshua? Yeshua's not even on the earth anymore. He's up in heaven. How can he be persecuted? And the understanding of that is this, is that Saul was persecuting primarily, specifically, the apostles, the ones that were sent out by Yeshua. People like Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Um, and also the disciples, the followers of Yeshua. So when you harm um, an apostle, one sent out, or when you harm a follower of a great teacher, or when you harm a prophet of Yahweh, you're bringing harm not to just the one that is has been sent, but you're bringing harm to the one that did the sending. See, so We gain more insight about what it means to be a prophet by looking at the ministry of prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel. I'm going to read 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 5 through 13. I'll make a few comments as we read through this. 1 Samuel 9, beginning at verse 5. When they came into the region of Zuth, Saul, this is the Saul that would later become king over Israel, Saul said to his servant, let's go back home or my father might stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. They were on a trek to find some lost donkeys. And if they stayed gone too long, his dad would start worrying about the men instead of the animals. 
Verse 6, the servant answered, Wait, in this town there is a holy man. Now literally here, this reads man of Elohim, or man of God. Now why? Well, it's because Elohim was with Samuel in a way that was different. As we might think, when he says, Wait, in this town there is a man of Elohim, we might think, well, what? Wasn't Saul, wasn't the servant of Saul, weren't they men of Elohim, weren't they Israelites too? Well, they were, but they did not have that close-knit relationship with Yahweh that prophet Samuel had. So the servant tells Saul, he says, wait, there's a holy man in town who is highly respected because everything he says comes true. Now here's the idea of foretelling. That is part of the prophet's ministry to predict certain things or to tell you certain things are going to happen. Everything he says comes true. Let's go to him and maybe he can tell us where we can find the donkeys. There's the idea there at the end of verse 6. That's the idea of correct instruction. That a prophet would not just predict the future, but he could as to a specific that you were required to do or that you needed to do. Maybe he can tell us where the donkeys are. The prophet. Verse 7 through 9 or 7 through 11. If we go to him, what can we give him? Saul asked. There is no food left in our packs, and we don't have a thing to give him, do we? The servant answered, I have a small silver coin. I can give him that, and then he will tell us where we can find them. Saul replied, A good idea, let's go. So they went to the town where the holy man lived. As they were going up the hill to the town, they met some young women who were coming out to draw water, and they asked these women, Is the seer in town? At that time, a prophet was called a seer. And so whenever someone wanted to ask Elohim a question, he would say, let's go to the seer. Now, more wooden translations of the Bible read here. Instead of ask God a question, they read, whenever somebody wanted to inquire of God. Now, notice who are they asking the question to? Elohim, the Almighty. How did they ask the Almighty a question? They went to the prophet. Whenever somebody wanted to ask Elohim a question, they would go to the seer's house or the prophet's house, interchangeable terms. And the prophet could tell them the answer to a question that they wanted to ask the Almighty. Why? Because prophet means in the place. I speak for the Almighty. See? Verses 12 through 13. Yes, he is, the young women answered. In fact, he is just ahead of you. If you hurry, you will catch up with him. As soon as you go into town, you will find him. He arrived in town today because the people are going to offer a sacrifice on the altar on the hill. The people who are invited won't start eating until he gets there because he has to bless the sacrifice first. I want you to notice the high position that Samuel had as the prophet. The people waited until he got there first before they partook of the sacrifice because they wanted to make sure the sacrifice was proper and he gave his blessing over the sacrifice. So this is a unique man. It ends by saying, If you go now, you will find him before he goes up the hill to eat. Now, you can read the rest of 1 Samuel 9 and 1 Samuel 10 and you'll see more about Samuel's high position among the people of Israel. But Samuel was the one who also anointed the new king over Israel, King Saul. And he spoke over the entire nation and he told them whether Yahweh would bless them or whether Yahweh would curse them. And whatever Samuel said happened. It never failed true prophet. So a prophet is someone whom Yahweh has chosen to have a special friendship with. They speak the words Yahweh gives them with authority. 
that word might be an explanation or interpretation of Yahweh's established law. Or it might be a word of instruction to your life in particular, what you're supposed to do as a person in particular. A prophet could also predict the future occurrence in your life, or they could predict a future occurrence in general. Another example of a prophet's inspired teaching position among the people is with Prophet Moshe, who we call Moses. Deuteronomy 34 verse 10 tells us that Moses was a prophet of Yahweh, one of the highest in the land at that time. There had not arisen another prophet like Moses. But in Deuteronomy 18 verse 15, Yahweh says he will raise up a prophet like Moses. Now, this brings me to another point right here. Deuteronomy 18 15. Yahweh raises up prophets. <clears throat> A person can't just decide one day, I'm going to be a prophet of Yahweh. That's not how it works. That's not how it operates. Yahweh has to decide that. Yahweh has to give that office to a man. It's, it's kind of like you meet different people in your life and you notice how different people are gifted in different ways. I can give a man a guitar and I can teach him up to a certain point how to play the guitar. But there are certain people that I have met that are gifted to play the guitar. Or they're gifted to sing. Or they're gifted to take care of children. Or they're gifted to do X, Y, and Z. Yahweh gifts people with the office of prophet. Nobody has the right or the authority to call themselves a prophet. You will know if a person is a prophet by the ministry that they hold. One of the main things is, as it says with Samuel, nothing that they say will ever fail. Everything that they predict will come true. Everything they tell you in your life will be factual. Everything they tell you to do specifically will turn out exactly how they said it will turn out. These are the marks of a prophet. So Yahweh raises up prophets and they'll always be in close communion with Him. Yahweh says of this prophet He will raise up in Deuteronomy 18, 18 through 19. The one that is like Moses, He says, I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name. So again, we see here that the prophet of Yahweh stands in the place of Yahweh on the earth. And if you don't listen to this prophet like Moses, Yahweh holds you accountable. Why? Because he speaks Yahweh's words. Yahweh's putting his own words in the mouth of the prophet. It's Yahweh's commands that come from the prophet's mouth. And if the prophet like Moses would be used this way, then obviously Moses was used this way. Now, we know that Moses was chosen to teach the people the law of Yahweh. We find this in Exodus 18, 15 through 16, where Moses says, The people come to me to inquire of Elohim. In other words, to ask Elohim a question. They come to me to do that. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me and I make a decision between one man and another. I teach them Elohim statutes and laws. This is Exodus 18, prior to the codification of the law on Mount Sinai. How did people resolve disputes in the wilderness and in, in Israel? Just by themselves? No. 
they went to Moses. Now Jethro, after this, instructed Moses to establish other able men that were able to judge righteously upstanding citizens in the community. But Moses was the primary prophet of Yahweh. As a matter of fact, there is one instance where Moses' sister, Miriam, she got jealous and upset with Moses, and Yahweh struck her with leprosy. Uh, so to speak evil of the prophet was to speak evil of Yahweh. This does not mean that ordinary followers of Yahweh cannot study and learn the scriptures, learn the law, and then teach it or instruct it to other people. There is also the office of the teacher in scripture. We find that as well. But what it does show here is that Yahweh used prophets to teach the people his will, not just to predict the future. Now, when we understand properly the office of the prophet, it does great to help us understand certain texts in the New Testament that may have puzzled us prior to this. I'm going to show you two of these. For example, 1 Corinthians 14, 3-4. Paul writes this, But the person who prophesies speaks to people for edification, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in another language builds himself up, but he who prophesies builds up the church. Prophesying here is not foretelling the future. It might include that at times, but prophesying here in 1 Corinthians 14 is primarily speaking in a known language to a congregation that is gathered and expounding the will of Yahweh for their lives. Now, a pastor or an elder of a congregation can do this even today, and he would be prophesying. But it's not because Yahweh is speaking to him directly from heaven, one to one, but because the pastor has studied the words of Yahweh that are inspired and written down in Holy Scripture. And therefore, when even a ordained from heaven, pastor or elder, speaks the instructions of Yahweh to you from the scriptures, that is a form of prophecy. So this helps us understand 1 Corinthians 14 a little bit better. It's not talking about predicting the future, but inspired speaking and teaching, edification, encouragement, consolation. Here's another New Testament passage that makes more sense now that we understand what a prophet is. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2a says, Long ago Elohim spoke to the fathers... How did he do it? By the prophets. At different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Again, this isn't just talking about speaking to people and making predictions for the future. But rather that Yahweh revealed his will to people through his prophets. We can see this by knowing that the way that Yahweh spoke to people living in the first century, which, by the way, Hebrews 1 is written for us, but it wasn't written to us, right? So it's written to people that live in the first century who are living in the last days. A lot of those people actually were spoken to by the Son of Yahweh directly. They saw Him. They lived with Him. Well, we know that the way that Yahweh spoke to us or Elohim spoke to us by His Son, we know what that means is, is that people learned by the Messiah's preaching and teaching ministry. Not just in how he could predict the future, and he did in Matthew 24 and Mark 13, Luke 21, but his primary ministry, Yeshua was a prophet of Yahweh. His primary ministry was to bring the truths of Yahweh to the people. 
As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 3, the Apostle Peter says that the Messiah, the man from Nazareth, was a fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18, the prophet like Moses. So we would expect him to teach and expound the law. And that's exactly what he does in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. That I look forward to getting back to soon. Where he gives the proper understanding of the law because people had twisted it and turned it and made it say something that it never was intended to say. So the same thing happened in the Older Testament. In the last days, Yahweh spoke to us by His Son. In the Older Testament, former times and times past, He spoke to His people, to the fathers, to the ancestors, by the prophets, through men like Prophet Samuel, Prophet Abraham, Prophet Moses, and Prophet Elijah, and through women prophets. Women like Miriam, Deborah, Huldah, Anna, Elizabeth, and the daughters of Philip. And this is my point that I've been building up to in this lesson. The office of a prophet, a person who poured forth the sayings of Yahweh. Remember, Navi from the root means to bubble forth or to pour forth. In other words, that you can't contain what Yahweh has inside of you as a prophet. And so you speak it out to the people in Yahweh's place on the earth. That office was not just for men. It was also given to women. A female prophet was called a prophetess. That's not a different office than a prophet. Uh, this is very important that we understand that the words prophet and prophetess are not two different offices. They're the same office and they come from a Hebrew form that is masculine and a Hebrew form that is feminine. Uh, Navi for the masculine and uh, Neviah for the feminine. So if a prophet was a male teacher then a prophetess, a Neviah, was a female teacher. The prophet Yoel, Joel, spoke of the last days, and he said, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, Joel 2, 28. And this happened in Acts 21, 8 through 9, when we read of the man Philip, who had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Now remember, that doesn't just mean predict the future. It means everything that we've covered up. They had a special close relationship with Yahweh. And remember, the person who prophesies, they do it. Why? To build up the church. Not for their self. Not out in the woods somewhere. But to build up the congregation. So the women who were prophesying were doing it to build up the congregation. So everything that we have learned today about the office of the prophet also applies to the prophetess. And Yahweh chose to use certain women in the office of the prophet. When Hebrews 1 verse 1 says that Elohim spoke in times past by his prophets, it is speaking of both male and female prophets. And female prophets did not just speak to other women. They also directed men in the nation of Israel. They told men what to do in relation to the service and worship of Almighty Yahweh. One of the greatest examples that is overlooked and it's in the Older Testament, which probably is one of the reasons why it gets overlooked. One of the greatest examples I'm going to show of this is the prophetess Huldah, where the king of Israel sent the high priest to Huldah to understand the will of Yahweh for the nation of Israel. I'm going to show that, but it's going to take...
probably won't get to hold the next week. But I hope to cover Miriam, the sister of Moses, and I hope to cover, cover Deborah, who was not just called a prophetess, but also a judge over the nation of Israel. That's another word that has been misunderstood by Christianity. Judge in Hebrew doesn't mean exactly or all of what we think of judge in English. as part of it. Um, but there's more to it than that. So in my next message, we'll begin to look at some of these chosen female prophets that Yahweh spoke through. I appreciate you for listening to the lesson today. It's been a blessed new moon, and that's where I'm going to end the sermon. And I'm not sure who's going to do testimony service, but we'll move to our testimony service now. Yahweh bless you. Shalom.